Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, and welcome back, a friend of the show, longtime NHL broadcaster working on the Washington Capitals games. He played uh, over 400 games in the National Hockey League. Um, he uh, grew up uh, in these parts and willed himself to an NHL career. We welcome back Al May. Hi, Al. How you doing? I'm doing great, Bob. How are you? Good. Well, since we last spoke, the Washington Capitals, your team, has signed Tom Wilson to a seven-year extension at $6.5 million. Very similar sort of to, I mean, uh, in terms of the percentage of the salary cap, not similar, but similar to the sort of deals that both um, Milan Lucic and David Clarkson got as they got later into their careers, late 20s. Uh, I know there are some of the analytics gurus out there were uh, second-guessing, saying this is the typical type of deal that doesn't make sense. I think uh, Wilson skates better than uh, both uh, Lucic and Clarkson, but I'd like to get your perspectives. You know Wilson uh, better than anybody. Well, first thing, the analytics guys like to carve apart every single contract in a National Hockey League. I'm sure they have problems with what McDavid's going to get on the next one. But when you go to Tom Wilson, he's, Clarkson is no comparable. Clarkson had one decent career uh, year in his career and was overpaid drastically, was never really a tough guy in my opinion, and was a flash in the pan. So that Milan Lucic deserves every penny he got over the course of his career for what he was able to do and really still does every single night. He brings the effort. Uh, he stands up for his teammates. It's not always going to work in every environment that you're in. Uh, you know, sometimes the coach is the bad mix, the, the team, the style, the system is not for a player. But Tom Wilson has improved every single season in the National Hockey League. If he had bad numbers last year, the team was playing the wrong system. He came in off of you know, about eight months of injury and rehab and just, you know, got back on his feet. And I expect him to be a lot better player this afternoon. As far as the number, I think it's the right number, 6.5. And he could have probably got 8 and $9 million with some of those teams out there that are so desperate for toughness and, and value him. And every single general manager in the league wants Tom Wilson on their team because he can play a regular shift. He can play on your first unit PK. He can play on, you know, your, your power play, whether it's first or second unit, but he's a five-on-five player that plays the last minute of a game. So he's got way more value uh, than people give him credit for, and he's also a Stanley Cup champion that brings a, a, gr- a lot of great intangibles to his team. So I, I'm fine with that, and I always say this. When people are complaining about contracts, especially the eggheads and their you know, broken pencils, is that it's not your money. Who cares? The salary cap always goes up, even when it's there. And even when the salary cap looks like a team's over it, there is no real salary cap because the wealthy teams will always find a way to get around it. There looks like there's always a third team to take on salary now, and we saw that in the past week with some of the trades that were made. Well, we'll discuss those trades in a second. Just circling back to Wilson, is he even in many respects more of a unicorn than either Lucic or Clarkson because of his skating ability? You mentioned the guy can PK. The fact is he can skate. He can get around the ice. And one of the concerns with, you know, like Milan was signed by the Oilers on a seven-year deal at $6 million to be a second-line player. 
at worst, okay? At least for the first three or four years. Well, as it turned out, he was a second-line player for a year and a half. And then, you know, the the numbers dropped off. He was an effective bottom six forward for Calgary the last couple of years. He, I mean, again, the analytics guys will say they got caved in shot share when Milan was on the ice, but he still scared the hell out of guys out there. And is Wilson a little bit different because of the skating ability? Absolutely. And I think Tom Wilson came into the league too early. I thought he was used in the wrong role too early, and he probably could have benefited I believe from playing one more year of junior, scoring 50 to 60 goals, then going to the American League and not being thrown to the Wolves right off the bat. I thought it hampered his progress. But uh, to, to, I, I guess to his credit, he found a way to get better and better all the time. He's a very intelligent hockey player. David Clarkson is not in the conversation of either Lucic or Wilson. He wouldn't last in the ring half a round. And, and nothing personal against David Clarkson, but he really only played decently to me one season. He looked scared in the physical tough guy role. Uh, Wilson, you know, the reason he probably doesn't fight right now as much as he used to, he doesn't need to, and there's hardly any players in the league. So if you have a one-dimensional player that's coming up and you're, you're dressing him just to fight Tom Wilson – I say if I'm the coach, Wills, you're not fighting him. If you do, you're not going to play. And I don't want anyone fighting that guy because he's brutal. And there are guys like that that are still liabilities, that are one-dimensional, that can't play the game. So, like I said, Wilson can play up and down your lineup anywhere, penalty kill, maybe Washington's best penalty killer, uh, just an all-round, all-round team guy. And I love everything that he does, the way that he plays the game. He's had to slow the game down because – now in this day and age where there's, you know, you're not supposed to be obstructing players and you can't hold them up, you can't do the hook and ride out on the hit where you, where you take a player into the boards, uh, you have to T-bone players. The guy's 230 pounds of rock-solid muscle that can skate pretty well and gets to a pretty high top-end speed, and he obliterates guys. So now he's taking the angle more. I've seen him let off on hits now because he knows that, you know, the Tom Wilson Twitter reaction is going to break Twitter for a day or two. And then a lot of these suspensions I felt have been, and I, not just for him, I think around the league, it's the league reacting to what social media has to you, say about players and how they play the game. Do you ever don't like? Do you ever notice that at times it feels like there's a bit of a, a crusade against the more like? Here's the thing: like Evander Kane, and, and there were a lot of people making moral judgments when the Edmonton Oilers signed. I don't want Evander Kane on my team, and then he came in and he played great for the Oilers in the back half of last season, right? Like in the in the twenty one twenty two season, he led the playoffs in goal scoring. It was pretty, t- you know, he played well. He's I, I can tell you, he's gone out of his way to volunteer his time to be involved in. Um, I think he's going out to Maskechies next week for an event. Uh, is Evander Kane like he's he's been all over the place in town and that sort of thing? He's you know he's, he's heavily involved in the community. The fact is he's he's a big tough forward that can play in the tops. That is the trade off. The the guys that Tom Wilson can fight are Brady Kachuk and Evander Kane. Those are he doesn't have to fight the Curtis McDermott's of the world. He doesn't even have to fight the Ryan Reeves. Ryan Reeves barely plays as a fourth line guy now. Is the trade-off guys like a Kane or like a Brady Kachuk for Tom Wilson right now? And do you think there's a bit of a bias against players that are more physical uh, from some fans out there on social media? Well, there absolutely is, and those are the fans that want the game to be played like ringette. And, you know, they want no-hit no hit hockey, and it's not fun to watch no-hit hockey. Just watch the KHL and a lot of the other leagues that are overseas where they loop and loop and loop, and the same place that has power plays that won't shoot the puck over the course of two minutes, 
So the NHL was built on physical play. It was a lot different how it was played before. Uh, so any time because of social media, there's an overreaction on everything. There's, you know, it's almost no, like the there's not, be, Al, Al, there's Al, just, there is not Al. Al, there is not an overreaction every time on social media on everything. Come no, on. I know, I, I, I know that, but I'm sure that your Twitter is already filling up right now. So, which I really don't care about. You know what? I, we love playoff hockey. Most people love how the game is played. Uh, I think Brady uh, or, or Matt, Matthew Kachuk, Brady Kachuk, they're both great hockey players. Do they do stupid? I almost lost it there. But do they do things that de- deserve getting their ass kicked? Yeah, they do all the time. They get behind the refs. They do things. And, you know, one of my favorite moments was the Zach Cash moment in Edmonton playing against the Flames because he made someone pay the price for playing uh, a very stupid brand of hockey at, at times. So, you know what? Let the game police itself. We don't want guys to have career-ending injuries, but we also cannot let you know players run around and play like rats. And it's never been acceptable in the game. Uh, far too many guys got away with it for far too long. And then when they changed the rules, it seemed like there were a lot more. Uh, so you want players to stand up. You know, hopefully you don't have garbage in games. I love physical hockey. I, I love the games where they get 30 hits aside and there's some hatred involved. The, the scrums after and it gets your blood boiling, gets the emotion up, and it really adds to the viewership of the game. Why are the Battle of the Alberta games the most watched on the Oilers broadcast? And, you know, when they're in the playoffs, they're must watch TV. So, you know, some of the greatest games I've ever witnessed are the games between Edmonton and Calgary, Boston and Montreal, uh, Philadelphia, Washington, Pittsburgh, Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia. You know, the teams that have a lot of hatred in them, and it's just no matter what, you're, you're getting ready for those games, whether one team's in first place or 32nd place. Those are the games you love to watch because they have extra emotion involved. Epstein's mother has just texted the show and said, Bob, why would you guys be surprised? that some fans in social media don't want policemen on the ice or guys that can police themselves on the ice. Many of these same people are the defund the police people out there in society. (laughs) Wow, what a text. Oh, man, that's... Hey, Epstein. Anyhow, uh, so so it is. Hey, so bottom line is you get the contract, you understand it, uh, you, and you think it's completely different than Clarkson, and uh, and away you go. Uh, the Washington Capitals have had a long-standing rivalry with the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's been Ovechkin and Crosby uh, coming out of the uh, 04-05 uh, lockout. So let's get to it. What do you think of the trade? Eric Carlson going to Pittsburgh. The Penguins divesting themselves of Jeff Petrie's contract to Montreal. They move along. A guy that, uh, Michael Granlin, that put up numbers in uh, Minnesota, but uh, maybe it was just a good playmaker. Uh, and then uh, the Canadians eat a little bit of money. Uh, Hoffman ends up going from Montreal to San Jose as well as uh, uh, Granlin. Your thoughts on the trade? Well, everyone had a plan as to what they wanted to do on this trade. San Jose wanted to unlo- unload the big contract of the best player that they've had in a long time. And good for Eric Carlson that he was finally healthy last year. I was so impressed with how dominant he was. And people talk about his minuses. Well, look at the players he had to go on the ice with most nights. He's going to be a plus player this year in Pittsburgh. They're going to kick ass. And they got two alpha males that both want to play in the power play. They're going to have to figure that out. But they also traded and, and have some other big defensemen. So you're going to go back to the where you have an anchor D and you have a D that can get up the ice. And I've heard people knock Chris Letang uh, and how he plays the game. I think he's one of the best all-round defense in the National Hockey League. He's got two Stanley Cup, maybe three. I can't remember if he's in on that third one. 
but I've loved and hated him playing in Pittsburgh because he's cost me a lot of money, but at the same time, I love the game, and I love seeing players play great, and Latang uh, can do it all, in my opinion. So I'm sure for the betterment of the team, they're going to make everything work there. They're going to try to do what they can, but that power play is already scary as is. Last year, it felt like every time it was 5-3 and three or 4-3, and three, they scored. Uh, it's going to be even more lethal now. You know, does Latang get you know fewer minutes on the power play? That'll be all right. Uh, but you're going to have two pretty good units. You have so many good young players out there uh, that are going to support with the older crew. So I think P- Pittsburgh just climbed to be a top ten team in, in my book because of the ability to get up and down the ice. Mike Sullivan has an excellent system. They didn't have the right players playing for them last year. There was all types of turmoil between management and coaching, which translated to the players. And I think they're in a better place right now. As far as Montreal, you know, they moved some bodies out that they didn't want to have. They're still in rebuild. I don't know if they're going after first place overall, but you know, everyone accomplished what they wanted to in this trade. But I still think right now in the immediate future that Pittsburgh is the winner of this trade. Not, and, and really Carlson isn't the greatest guy. He's not so great in his own end, but I'll tell you what, put the puck on his stick. It's up and down the ice so fast, whether he carries it or moves it. Uh, the shots from the power play are excellent. So, you know, I, I wanted not to like Carlson for years, but I love skill players. He still plays the game with a lot of intensity and love. And I think he's going to bring a lot of swagger uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Al, did Pittsburgh make the playoffs last year? No, they did not. Did Washington make it? No, they did not. Uh, are we seeing a change in the guard? Do you see teams like uh, Ottawa, Buffalo, and possibly Detroit pushing up? Well, I, I think uh, the first two. I'm not so sure about Detroit. But, you know, when I, when I look at, you know, New Jersey and Ottawa, you know, look how bad they were. They were getting first overall draft picks. Why were those other teams, why were Washington and Pittsburgh, you know, good? Because they were getting first overall draft picks. And they were drafting, you know, basically the top 10, the top 15 of the draft, you're getting a legit player most of the time, unless you go off the board and do something crazy. And you never know with who your management coaches are. But right now, uh, there is a changing of the guard. The, the New Jersey Devils, uh, you only got to see them twice last year, but they are so fast. They play an attack game. Lindy is such a good coach for a young, fast team that likes to go north all the time, and they're scary. Uh, and I think what Ottawa is able to do, if they're able to keep their players healthy, I still believe that they're uh, a right defenseman or two away from being a top contender in the league. They've got a lot of young, dangerous forwards. And the Detroit, they're kind of a mishmash. They've got a lot of throwaway players on their team, some older veterans. But, yeah. you know, they brought they brought in a lot of, you know, say, you know, borderline second-line guys, but for sure third-line guys. They've got some more depth. Uh, their coach seems like he's getting the message through to the players. And, you know, Steve Eiserman, he's always up to something. And it's a lot different situation than he went into in Tampa, uh, where they had a couple first overall draft picks back-to-back. So, you know, you look at, you know, those teams, but I, I still think, you know, because of loyalty, which I believe in, uh, you know, when, when Connor McDavid gets to be 35, uh, if he wants to keep playing till he's 40, I'm an Edmonton Oilers owner and general manager and president. He's playing till he's 40. I'm going to say thank you very much. and I'm going to keep paying him. And the, fa- the fans, you know, have, have fallen in love with him. The fans all around the National Hockey League love him. And, you know, I just believe in loyalty, and right now it's hurt the Pittsburgh Penguins a little bit. It's hurt the Washington Capitals a little bit. But I prefer uh, loyal ownership groups and loyal fan bases. Yeah, well, and uh, again, Wayne Gretzky said on, on my show Total Sports in January of 08, uh, the moment I 
you know, Daryl Cates is pursuing the team. And I said, Wayne, you were sold. In fact, 35 years ago yesterday, he was sold to the LA Kings. This, this interview was back in 08. And he cut me off right away. And he said, you don't have to worry. If Daryl Cates gets a team as an individual owner, he's going to do everything possible to sign his guys long-term. Every uh, good Oiler drafted and developed player has been signed to a long-term deal since uh, Daryl Cates is on the team. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. I did an event last night down in Red Deer. Um, here's the four names. Tim Hunter, Ronnie Stern. Uh, Louis DeBrusque. I know you wouldn't have fought Luke Gazza. Did you fight any of the other three guys during your playing career? Uh, Tim Hunter. And I was like, the, the, we fought the mirror image, same style. He's a lot bigger than me, but uh, we, we, used to, we fought. Ronnie Stern used to fight the other guys, and I fought the guys like Tim Hunter. Uh, played against Louis. I don't, I don't think Louis and I fought. I think I had other guys I had to fight and worry about before him when he was at the Rangers. Okay. And Luke Gadstick Luke uh, is probably young enough to still be my kid. So right. we definitely uh, didn't have a fight. Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Stern got 600 games in the, the league. Uh, he could, he could, Louie could skate for a big man. Ronnie, you know, had some, Ronnie was part of that. There, there was a run of guys that back, I mean, Al, when you came up, it was the Western League had the toughest guys. But towards the late 80s, early 90s, we saw to the mid 90s, I mean, especially the super heavies with George and uh, Brashear and, uh, Peter Worrell, uh, to name a few. There, some of the super heavies came out of the Quebec League. Or or maybe am I just off? There were tough guys out of the Quebec League back in the 1980s, too. Not, not to the same effect as what was coming out later. And the guys were all huge. None of them were little. Uh, they were freaks of nature. And, uh, you know, G- George is one of the most bizarre-looking hockey players that's ever skated. He was so damn big out there. I remember seeing him play for the first time, and, and then the first time he got in a fight, I couldn't believe how big he was. And he actually got around the ice very well. It was a, sl- it was a slower, deliberate stride, but he still was able to get to a, a great top speed. He was excellent on the boards. He was way too strong, basically, as his career went on, uh, on his skates for anyone to keep their balance, and he was able just to swing and, and do harm. Uh, a lot different than Peter Worrell, who couldn't skate, but was this monster who, you know, strung guys out at whatever, what was he, six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, and but he couldn't play the game. Uh, but there were some really, really big hockey players that came out of the Quebec League for a while, and, uh, you know, the league had completely changed how they used the majority of their tough guys. Uh, George was one of the very few that could actually play the game for a long period of time, and there was a lot of guys that were only worthy of one shift, and they were having fights, in my opinion, that, that didn't matter to the game. And that's probably what hurt uh, the role of the enforcer in the National Hockey League. And you go back, the trap ruined the game for a while. Every team and every coach that couldn't coach was basically using it after a while. And then you had tough guys that played one shift a game and were really not very good and shouldn't have been playing. And that's what made George such a unicorn is he was a badass and he played very well. Great stuff, Al. Love having you on the show. Thanks for joining us on Oilers Now. All right. Take care. It is 12.52 at Edmonton. That is Al May. Uh, Not surprisingly, Brendan, he has uh, brought upon a flurry of text messages. We do have a lot of people, like, and I'll be honest, I don't mind seeing the occasional scrap out there between two consenting and willing players on the ice settling a score. Do you got a problem with that? I, I'm frankly at the point where I'm sick of having to beat around the bush. The entire building is electrified when that happens the, in just about any circumstance. The, the Can we stop hypocr- pretending well, like hey, people don't love it? Shut up. Seriously, like just... 
Let it go. <laughs> we'll talk to a couple guys that uh, were not afraid to do it uh, back in their day at the University of Alberta Golden Bears coming up after 1 o'clock. Uh, Ian Herbers, longtime Western League player, longtime pro player, uh, former Oilers assistant uh, uh, coach and the head coach of the U of A, and the GM of the U of A, Stan Marple, who won a national title at the end of 92, and himself, I think one year, had over 300 minutes back in the AJ back in the day. Uh, I think he had about eight goals that year. We'll be back in a second. You're listening to Oilers now. Brendan, you won't believe what I did here. I uh, somehow cross-referenced the... Oh, maybe there it is. Oh, no, that's not it. Somehow I got knocked out of uh, the text messaging. I don't know what happened. I ended up getting the Calgary station. I'm like, why are they talking about wind and solar on orders now right now? Yeah, there's probably a couple different browsers open there. That's that's what happened, yeah. and uh, and so we'll have we'll, we will get to. Not surprisingly, there are there are a lot of opinions on um, and and the genesis of the conversations. Twelve fifty six in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott, with you. Do you want to mention the orders now? Injury reports brought to you all season long by James H Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Uh, Trent Brown. James Brown, uh, the gang at uh, James H. Brown, big supporters of the Edmonton Oilers, the Edmonton Elks, and the University of Alberta. we got gold, the Golden Bears team here. Ian Herbers and Stan Marple are going to join us in studio for about 45 minutes and talk a bit about their program. And But not surprisingly, a lot of you have a lot of opinions on what Al was discussing. Uh, Tom Wilson getting a seven-year contract. Uh, Eight-year contract, yeah, max seven-year contract extension, six point five million dollars. Um, I do not see him like David Clarkson. That's the argument that gets made by the analytics types on players like that. I think Wilson has a better chance to age out. I will say there were some people very critical when the Oilers signed uh, Milan Lucic in the summer of 2016, saying this will not be good in years four, five, six, and seven. As it turned out, it wasn't good after a year and a half. Luch did score 23 goals and have 50 points his first season. And he, I mean, even even last year in the seventh year of that deal, he dropped Curtis McDermott in a fight. And Curtis might have been one of the three toughest guys in the NFL, which just proves that Lucic is still uh, one of the uh, badasses in the league. So Stan Marple, Ian Herbert's coming up. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilmer.